Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. Peter Meyer is the former news editor at Time, Life, and People magazine, author of many books, including The Yale Murder and Death of Innocence. He now edits Paideia Times, a digital newsletter for college leaders, and he is the director of a project entitled School Life Media. Uh, Peter Meyer, well, uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mark, for having me. I'd love to be uh, back in your uh, sphere of influence. I got it's been a while. <laughs> okay. Um, the uh, School Life Media, just, just describe us, what is that? It's essentially a, ju a junior journalism program. Um, it's got bigger, it, it started off, School Life Media started off with bigger objectives of, of spreading the, the fact-based education around the globe. Um, I'm an E.D. Hirsch apostle, early promoter of Hirsch, and so I have been uh, involved in education journalism ever since meeting him in 87. But School Life Media is, has turned into a, a journalism program for kids, which we've been doing for the last uh, five years. And mostly, mostly piloting it in my little town up in upstate New York, which has all of the right elements for testing these things. A small district, lots of ethnic diversity, and lots of poverty. And along with all of these test scores that go with, go with poverty. On that issue of test scores, reading, reading scores, writing scores, why journalism? What does journalism do to, to help? with uh, the, the basic subjects? Well, let me read. We had, a, we had a guest come into one of our classes, and this is, we're talking fifth grade at this point, a producer, executive producer for the McNeil Lehrer Report for many years, and he's retired up here. And I, and I brought him into one of our classes. We're talking about 20, 25 fifth grade kids. Showed some of, the, 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 some of his videos that he produced for the show. And then uh, he, and they, the kids interviewed them and, and wrote up stories about his visit, et cetera. That's part of what we do. Well, unbeknownst to me, Mr. Saltz, Michael Saltz, the producer, came out with an editorial in the local newspaper talking about his experience. And he wrote, and I just want to, he, he's a wonderful explanation of what this whole program is about. If you think about it, as he wrote, as I did for the first time after Peter told me what he was doing, the skills of a journalist or reporter lie at the entry point of every academic experience and social interaction we encounter throughout our lives. That's a pretty extravagant claim, I know, but let me explain. <laughs> In any case, I was a journalist, yeah, I've been a journalist for 40 plus years now, but it's somewhere around, and, and part of that 20 years I've been an education journalist, but it took me until about 2015, and I woke up one day and I said, wait a minute, um, journalism, 
is fact-based education. That's what I should be doing, is getting these kids involved in fact-based education. And as we know, the first draft of history is, ta-da, you know, journalism. And that's what it's been. And so I, 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 you know, I've been working on this for what? What's 2015 minus 2021? You, you do the math. I never, I, I was never good at math. And we've got a really wonderful program that brings these two things, the skills of a journalist into the classroom. And I'm happy to say in the second year with our fifth graders, their test scores, while the nation's NAEP's test scores, I'm hoping your, your listeners know what the NAEP is, but that's the sort of the, that's the big national test on reading scores. While the NAEP scores were plummeting in 2018, 19 across the country, our little school district in the fifth grade jumped 11 points. Wow. And the, wait, wait, the Peter, Peter, do, do you know the yeah. 2019 NAEP scores, uh, the lower, the lower income kids in 2019 scored the lowest reading since they started doing NAEP back in the early 70s. I believe that's the case. So if you're from a low income area and these kids pl- jumped up 11 points, that ought to be something told to the Secretary of Education for the state of New York. We could talk about bureaucracy at another time, perhaps. But as you know, I've been writing about this for a number of years. You've been writing about this for a number of years. And my God, things don't move very quickly. Uh, let, me, let me just follow up on that little test score from our district. So when I, when I got the results and the principal said, you know, you can take some credit for this, right, going up 11 points, and I said hesitantly they said mark uh what did they go they went from what to what right 11 points is pretty pretty good oh yeah and he said well they went from 15 percent grade grade level to 26 grade 26 percent grade level now if you let that sink in for a second you'll understand what real troubled education system is this is so we have officially my little district even though it's in upstate new york is officially poor 70 percent of the kids would would qualify for a free lunch program 30 percent are are, uh, are african-american so it's it's there it, it has all of the elements of inner city new york so it's i'm glad you mentioned what was going on in the rest of the country i have done some reporting on low-income education and reading and writing for many years and my frustration with some of the better charter schools was that they didn't see what would they needed to increase the ELA scores. Uh, math has never been a problem for these high-rolling charter schools. ELA has always been a problem. And so I'm thinking putting this together, the, the, the skills of journalism, which have to do with the five W's, very fact-based stuff, as, as Michael Saltz was saying, it's sort of the gateway to fact-based education. And we did it, and ELA test scores went up magically, <laughs> one would think. It's a lot of hard work. We have a great program been developed over the years, very, very, quote-unquote, rigid. That's, a, that's another reason why I like to think it works, as you know, and, and anybody who's been in a classroom, you know, we've gone from uh, uh, the, the guide what's the, the the sage on the stage from the guide at the side and the guide at the side in classrooms hasn't worked so well no no what made you turn 
to, I mean, you, you were an experienced journalist operating in very high circles. What made you turn to becoming an education journalist? You mentioned the encounter with Hirsch. Why did that make you start writing about education more? Well, because it was such a, all journalists go out on stories all the time. And when you, every once in a while, you hit the ones that really, you know, bang you over the head with a hammer. And that was one. I, I was assigned by one of the senior editors of Life. He called me in his office. And he says, here's your next story. And he shoved across the desk this book, big book called What Every First Grader Should Know. And you will, you will know that, that that was not Hirsch's first book by any means, but it was one that kind of caught fire back in the late 80s, and people were buying it. So my assignment was to interview Hirsch. And I really didn't know anything but more than that, what every first grader should know. I did my basic preliminary research, found out he wrote a book called Cultural Literacy, and then did a kind of pre-interview interview when I called him up and talked to him. And he said during that interview that, you know, part of the big problem in American education is there's no curriculum. And I, as a good Catholic boy, I mean, we're talking, you know, I was Catholic all the way, including seminary. I said, what do you mean, no curriculum? Well, you know, I, well, images of the nuns walking up and down the aisle with their rulers, you know. And, and, and he said, no, it's, it's, our states do not have curriculum. Now, this is 87. So I said, okay, you know, and we, st- we, we, we got the, the interview scheduled, et cetera, and I proceeded to call around to, I, I hit about 15 states before I gave up. I called to every state's, bunch of states, almost at random, their, their education departments. Each state had one. I found out early on that the feds did not have a curriculum. So I called the states, and <laughs> one by one, everyone, I got the right person, talked to them, and said, what's your curriculum? We don't have a curriculum. We don't have a curriculum. As I said, I gave up after 15. He was right. We did not have a curriculum. So, so that's just a kind of a tip of the iceberg, which led me to wanting to learn more. The next big event for me was somewhat later, and I was doing a story that happened to be on crime. I, I can't remember the specifics of it, but I was in D.C. and picked up a piece of research on the Washington, D.C. prison system right? Adult prison system. I don't know how many people were in it, et cetera, but they kept good. Everyone can imagine what the population of the, of the D.C. District of Columbia uh, prison, adult prison system would be like, mostly black, African-American, mostly poor. And someone had gone in and did a study of this prison system population, found out that the average reading level, are you ready, Mark? I'm sure you probably could guess if you don't already know, but the average reading level of that adult population was third grade. And I said to myself, self, you know, this is a, what happened in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade? And that's when I stumbled. It wasn't Hirsch. It was this study. I stumbled across my crusade to fix American education. I mean, that's basically what it's become. I've sort of hung up my journalistic spurs. We can talk about what's wrong with journalism. Yeah morally and professionally, and it's hurt me. It just hurts to have to watch this. Uh, but there's some solace in, in having fifth graders to sit there that don't know. They don't know any better than to report the facts. Let's pause for a moment for what I believe is one of the best schools of higher learning in the country, the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving, Texas, and Rome, Italy, UD offers a rigorous and exciting core curriculum that sets it apart, an education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition, 
an education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Fidelity to man requires fidelity to the truth, which alone is the guarantee of freedom and of the possibility of integral human development. Those are the words of Pope Benedict, quoted at the University of Dallas, and guiding educators in all the departments of the university. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Peter, I wonder if, I mean, you've been doing this for a few years. You mentioned bureaucracy. So part of the problem in getting the appreciation of journalism as a way to get people reading and writing better and also gaining the knowledge, right? I mean, Hirsch's book wasn't what do first graders need to know how to do, the skills outlook that dominates in, uh, in, in elementary education, but actually what knowledge should they, do they need to have? What history do they need to know? Even in first grade, they should be knowing things uh, at, at this point. So you ran up against the bureaucracy, which is just, it's the blob, right? That was William Bennett's name for the education. It's a blob. You try to push and your hand just goes in and then you pull it out and it goes back <laughs> where it was. So the difficulties of bureaucracy, but have you come across other kinds of resistances to your journalism program? And, and I have a follow-up question to that, but when you started in you know five, six, seven years ago with this, what, what was the hardest part about getting people to appreciate the value of, of a journalism, inserting journalism into the curriculum? The first thing I should say is journalism per se, school journalism, everybody has a soft, they, I, I was surprised by how many people out there think highly of school journalism, <laughs> uh, newspapers, right? And it's true. And I have a, a buddy of mine, I hate to quote, I don't want to read, but I have to read these things. It's such a wonderful little comment. Here's from a buddy of mine who went on to be a, you know, a fairly well-known author and, and worked with Louis Ruckheiser and on money management and mutual funds, et cetera. He says, in the, he grew up in the, in the Midwest, as they say, the generic Midwest, the middle of nowhere. He said, I took a journalism course in my little rural high school in Ohio, graduating class of 134 kids. But there was a new teacher who talked the school into letting her teach a journalism class in addition to her job as an English teacher. I can honestly say that everything, all caps, everything I learned about writing, I learned in that class. So, so there is a lot of wonderful, good feeling about it. And, and, and we'll talk about the death of newspapers, et cetera. But the, the same thing has occurred in schools all over the country. They have lost their school newspapers. And guess who always you know, gets the short end of that stick when, on, when, whenever money's involved? So, so the poor kids in inner cities are hurting worse about this dearth. But, but the point is that when you get inside the school, and I must say I had it easier than most getting inside the school because I was on the school board here in this little town for about five years and everybody hated me. <laughs> That's as a start, not everybody, I had a few friends. The, friend, the, the, the teacher friend that called me one night on my way to the school board and said, watch out, the, the Board of Ed uh, president has called the cops and they want, they want them to pull, he, he's asked them to pull you over to check you for drunken driving. <laughs> and so, because 
<laughs> everyone thought that the water bottle I brought was uh, to the school board meeting was filled with vodka, right? So I was, and I acted like a drunk. So, you know, what the hell? <laughs> You're Irish. I'm Irish, yes. That's five points against me. <laughs> well, hey, welcome to local politics, right? Yeah, so local, so, but anyway, you get into the school and then you, you confront, which I already had some, uh, quite a bit of experience with. Part of the reason they didn't like me is because the unions. And we talk, you got to get to the unions, the blob. If there is a, if there is a, a name of the blob, that's kind of the number one culprit. And it's very hard to change what unions do. In New York State, especially bad, there's a little, there's a, there's a, I don't know why it's called the Triborough Amendment, but there's a little amendment, for instance, that says even if voters in the local communities, you know, vote against the proposed school budget, the school board can pass it anyway, right? And that's a union, that's a union uh, law that, like so many of them, they rule, they rule the schools. But I would think that a lot of teachers would like, uh, like, you, like the English teacher that you just mentioned. Yeah. They would like to teach a little journalism, no? So I had approximately seven teachers in my little school, up seven classrooms, including a special ed, really hardcore special ed. And I had a principal that backed us. So this is, I mean, those are two very important, <laughs> two very important things, the principal and the superintendent. One of the last things I did was as a school board member was help, well, it was help install a person that I liked as a candidate for school board, I mean, school superintendent. So that all helped. I got inside and the teachers, mostly the fifth grade teachers, mostly loved it. However, when the test scores started coming out and this, the thing started working well, then it became it becomes a little political problem. You're embarrassing the others, Peter. Yeah, so it, it begins, I once praised the teacher for doing something good and she hasn't spoken to me again. <laughs> you know, I oh my God. So I'm sorry, I love my little district and the teachers are wonderful and the kids, you should go to the, the website has this great story that I did for the Times. It was actually for the New York Times Learning Network. And that's an interesting story in itself. And it kind of tells you what the program is and how it works and why it works. And um, that came about as, as, so many, as so many stories in journalism come about when I sent a, a, this proposal, my, my uh, journalism proposal, over the transom to the New York Times Learning Network. And I'm on my, uh, you know, two weeks later, I'm driving from Albany on the back roads from Albany to Hudson, my town, and the phone rings and I answer it like a good journalist, going 50 miles an hour, and she says, "This is so and so from the New York Times. Have you got? Can you talk?" And I said, "Of course I can talk." <laughs> so she proceeded to say, "I got your, uh, I got your program proposal, and it's terrific. It's terrific." And I'm so whoa. Then I had to pull over. <laughs> So it was terrific. She says, I happen to have a, 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 a degree, a master's degree in journalism and a master's degree in education. And I get it. I get what you're trying to do. Boom. So there you go. I mean, so we, that's what makes it, what makes us different than most school newspapers or journalism programs in schools is that we really focus on literacy and improving literacy. So that means we focus highly for instance, on the basic premise of Edie Hirsch's content counts business. We take 
we take a New York Times story, for instance. We have a whole list of New York Times stories, and the kids, fifth grade kids, read them. But they don't just read them and then they're given a test. No, we we read them out loud. They read them out loud. They read them individually. They sit around and talk about it. They fill out a form um, about the five W's, etc. On that, Peter, I mean, is there more going on than just the development of the the verbal aptitudes? Is there also they start to think a little differently? You think like a journalist, exactly. When when you have to answer those those five W questions, you're going yeah. to become a little more active, a little more uh, inquisitive. Well, we had the advantage, I think, the advantage of me, a journalist, kind of leading the way. And man, I, I see learning standards and my eyes glaze over, you know, from, from, from the new education schools, what teachers have to, have to learn in terms of the 55 standards, A, B, and C, and, and part one and part two, and doing this and that. It, it really... So that was one of the advantages we had. I could just go in and say, hey, kids, here are the notebooks. Here are your press passes. We're gonna, let's get started. Here's what a story is. And take out your notebooks and start, <laughs> you know. And, of course, I, I have some, some little text I, I could read you for what they produced. I was just, I, quite frankly, I was shocked because they get it right away. They get it right away. They haven't been, they haven't yet been educated, uh, you know, the, 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 inquisition, the inquiry and the curiosity hasn't been educated out of them yet. I remember at one point, you know, so that it helped that we did the way we set up a classroom, the, the classroom teachers stayed in the classroom, right? They had to, they had to open each class and then they would turn it over to me or one of my teachers, right? And then we would take over. They would be in charge of, you know, uh, uh, discipline. So there were, you know, every once in a while, a couple of kids in the back would start pummeling each other. <laughs> and so I would turn to the, the teacher, uh, and that was their problem. They took care of that. And then they would close the class. You know, they, they would give me a time's up. So what we had there was two, a, a teacher and usually an aide that would sort of walk around, and I said, you can help us, or you can sit there directing papers if you want. And, you know, they did that. And I was very active in my classes. I loved it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fifth grade teacher monkey, I think. They, I'm older, you know, and I have a white beard and long hair, et cetera. So they think I'm quite you know, an odd bird. And so they, I got instant, I got instant uh, student engagement just by standing up there. And, but one of the first assignments as a journalist, I take out, you know, once they got their notebooks and pens and pencils, they say, okay, we're going to start writing. This is what you do. What a journalist does is take notes about what they see. Right. Right? And, and so here's, what, here's your first assignment. And I'd stand in front of the classroom. I said, to, to write this down. I said, what is Mr. Peter doing? That's your headline. I'm Mr. Peter. Now, I'm going to be doing something, and I want you to write down what it is that I'm doing. And then I proceeded to do this like pantomime. I always wear shoes that I could tie. You know, you know, Peter, it, it sounds like a drawing class when you just put an object in the middle of the room and say, okay, draw the object. Just, just, just draw the thing. Draw what you see. And you're, you're telling, just describe in words just what you see. I don't want to hear anything else 
accept what you see. And Peter, what I found is in, 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 in the papers I've assigned in English, sometimes I will just say to students, look, here I want you to spend two pages simply describing what a character looks like, sounds like, and does. Don't, don't, don't interpret. Don't opine. No value judgments. Simply describe what you've read. And actually, Peter, it's very hard. It's very hard for the college students because they've been taught, oh, be analytical, be in, you know, do that higher order kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I want lower order thinking. <laughs> Give me <all laughs> But, but it's, it's not because they're dumb, obviously. It's, it's because they, they haven't learned that, that basic seeing the object as, as it is. And, and that, that's what, what you're describing here is very valuable for them when they move on. I have to read this to you. So part of the thing that they did, we hear, here is the discipline part of it. As time went on, of course, we introduced the front page. Each of the kids, each of the kids would do a front page. That's one story. We'd have one story. There's eight elements on a front page. They got to design it. And those eight elements real quickly, the name of your newspaper, the date, the cost. They, that was one of their favorite ones. Fifth graders, you can imagine, what is your newspaper going to cost? Mm-hmm. Everything from 50 cents to a million five, you know? <laughs> they, they love that part. So, and then there's a headline for the story you're doing. There's a byline. They learn the byline. And then the story. They write the story. But one of my favorite parts is the picture. And so, so they have to draw because we don't use computers by the way this is all done by hand it's just I, wonderful I love it even stuff more. i know so you get so here's my shoe this is one of this one of their assignments so let me finish off the my what is mr peter doing thing i don't have any i don't have any samples here but it was as you described it i would do this pantomime in which i stand on one foot uh raise the i practice i'm pretty good i'm an ex-rugby player so i know how to keep on my feet but I stand in front of the classroom, I pick, lift one foot up, I untie the shoe, I put the foot shoe down, take it off, and then I take the other shoe, da, da, da. I repeat this a couple times and put it back there. That's it. And they have to write it up. So, and it was, I think probably fifth graders do better than college kids in this example. I mean, you get the, 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 you get the, uh, the, the, the kids say, Mr. Peter was acting crazy. Right? <laughs> Instead of just describing right Here's the interview, one of their assignments. Uh, interview with your shoe. And of course they look at you, what, you know, what the hell? How do I and they quickly that was it. They got it. They got it. So they did so here's here's Jeffrey's news report by Jaden of dated eleven thirty seventeen. Paper cost one million five hundred thousand. Headline is my shoe. My shoe looks good on the outside, but is stinky on the inside. I love my shoes, but they just stink like rotten and poop. And then when I take my shoes off, my mom asks, quote, what, what feet smell like that? And then if no one answers, she smells our feet. I know, gross. <laughs> so, and then, you know, here's another one. On October 30th, 2017, we interviewed our shoe. I interviewed my Adidas. It is white with three black stripes on each side. I always wear them when I have gym on the lounge or it, 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 there's a gold symbol that says Adidas. 
they are comfy. So these kids got it. They, they you know, they, they they're able to do it, and the writing is wonderful if you can read it. And they love drawing, etc. And just a one little anecdote about the teaching teacher aide who would ha- who loved to go walk around the classroom. That's as I described earlier. They they could sit and they. But this one aide was very nice. She wandered around looking at the kids' work, and I was in the front of the classroom doing something else. And I heard this scream from the back of the classroom. No, Jared, not you can't write that. <laughs> it was like, and here's this big dopey kid sitting in the back, his hands on his head, looking. And I, I didn't, I didn't get involved in those kinds of things. But I found it later. I, I, I made a point of going back, you know, rounding up, and I looked down at what he was working on, and he, he was working on his front page and a story. I forget what the assignment was, and his first line which uh, his first line read, I stink at writing. And that's what, I suck. No, he said, I suck at writing. And that's what, of course, drew the, the uh, AIDS uh, uh, anger. And he had tried to erase it, of course, but he couldn't. He didn't do a good job of erasing it. <laughs> it's wonderful. So these, it, left to their own devices, and we do this, by the way, you, we have a list right out of the core knowledge books, you know. We use core, so we, they, the kids are reading New York Times stories. Uh, they do quick writes, which is two minutes, writing as fast as you can on anything, what, when, what is, any subject that I give them, the teacher gives them. We have press conferences where guests come in and they do a bulk interview. But the New York Times is very interesting. That's where they read New York Times. I had some teacher at uh, t- teacher at students say, you can't, you know, I think that's above their reading level. And I say, you find something in the New York Times that said, you find somebody that says what the New York Times reading level, and, you know, I'll talk to you about it. And she couldn't find it, of course. But the point is, and you would know this as a teacher, I learned this early on when I went into my second grade kid's classroom to read A Christmas in Wales, Child's Christmas in Wales, right? And I had never, actually, I had never read it before until I stood up before the class. And then I, I started reading it. There were all these little little kids lined around me. And I realized, oh, they probably can't understand any of this. <laughs> but you know what? They did. And then what happens, and this is how I, I apply this to Shakespeare, is how Shakespeare works. There's plenty of anecdotal information about this. If you start early, right? As the Bible would say, if you put a kid on the right path when he's young, you'll be on that path when he's old. That's the Hirsch line. Uh, make him learn things very early on, and then you 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 sort of reiterate them. You have other subjects reinforce them, and they accumulate over time. And it takes time. It takes, but we need the habit. And okay, quick, Peter. Last question: What is the Paideia Times? Paideia Times, and as you know, in Greek, it's, uh, Paideia is, is learning. Uh, which is a which is a word I learned while doing the story on Hirsch. I think that was the headline, and I mentioned this to my colleague Stanley Stillman, who started this thing, and he's an old timing uh, veteran too. And, and um, the Padilla Times is an aggregation service for college trustees. We essentially go through. We now have a not a staff, but it's about seven or eight people working for us. We're 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 canvassing newspapers, journals blogs, 
everywhere and coming up with sort of the 30 best stories of every quarter, every four months. Well, I, I, I'm looking at it here and seeing some of the stories. You can click on the stories. You've got little headlines. For example, here's one on, does dropping SATs increase applications? Uh, you've got one here on enrollment declines, um, some things on censorship, uh, just different articles that you, you're, you're doing the service. You're presenting the important stories to college leaders who don't have time to comb through the big, wide internet. Yeah, that's I, it, it's you know all the news that's fit to print, digest it. I mean, there and you've got veterans like Stanley and myself and these other folks that are going through this. And Stanley has been in higher ed for a, a long time. He's very bright about what the issues are. So and we pick and choose. You know, we'll we'll do. Uh, my favorite, he likes, I'm, I, he keeps me on for my headline writing, you know? So his favorite is uh, DeVos by a Pence. And, and, and those of us who remember those days, remember that uh, Betsy DeVos became education secretary with a vote by, uh, in, the, in the Senate, by one vote, the, the vice president, Pence, passed it. So, so Yes, we come out, and but the but the key added value I think is all of the further readings that we have. We we share up, you know, hundreds of hundreds of good clips. I mean, it's really hard. I have I have the unfortunate job of having to kind of sort this all out and pick the thirty, pick the twenty five or thirty different quote unquote stories that we do, and then uh, we luckily we we have great writers. I mean, it's very hard uh, as did Twain say this? It's hard to write short. I would have written you sooner, but I, I, I didn't have enough time. Yeah, right, right, right. And so it's very hard to write a 150-word story. It is. But, but, it's a, but it is a very valuable skill. Yeah. So, all right, so, and, and that is, people can go to it, they can subscribe. PaideaTimes.org. I have the page up on, on my screen right now. So uh, that's it, Peter. Uh, thank you, Peter Meyer. Thank you for joining us. All right. Mark, thanks very much. Good luck. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.